So on the church calendar, today is the last Sunday of the Christian year. This is the day we've come to know as Christ the King Sunday, hence all the songs about kings this morning. The liturgical year is kind of a journey through the mysteries of salvation. And here at the end, we find the victorious Christ crowned in glory. We began with Advent and then Christmas and were amazed as the light came into the darkness. We followed Jesus through what we call ordinary time, and then we came to the 40 days of Lent. We traveled with Jesus to the cross and saw the glory of his Easter resurrection. At Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit descended, and we spent more ordinary time learning to be disciples, learning how to be the church. And today, the journey takes us to the throne of the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Good Shepherd, the Alpha and Omega. Today we celebrate the Lamb of God who lives and reigns and leads us in living out the kingdom, or as some like to call it, the kingdom of heaven. Now, we Americans sometimes have trouble with this whole notion of a king, right? We hardly pay attention to the fact that we once had one. In fact, we, we seem to do our best to forget that. We are now a democracy, and we tend to scoff at the concept of monarchs and royalty. You know, kings and queens, princes and princesses are something that belong across the ocean, right? Well, except when we are being king of the house or maybe queen of everything or prince or princess of quite a lot, then it's okay. But Pilate knew what a king was. He served the most powerful king in the world at the time. So he's having a little trouble wrapping his mind around the notion that this poor, itinerant rabbi, this one who stands before him beaten and bloody, could be mistaken by anybody for a king. So you are a king, he asked. He must have shaken his head with those Jewish leaders, shaken his head that those Jewish leaders could be bothering him with the accusation that this man, this man was a king. Just one look at him and really, what were they thinking? Are you the king of the Jews? I wonder how many times this year we've wondered the same thing. Is Jesus a king? Is he the Messiah, the one sent by God, the anointed? Advent, which starts next week, is that time when we wait and watch and anticipate the Holy One's coming. Is Jesus an ancient promise fulfilled? And if his coming established the kingdom, will he return to bring it all to fruition, to complete the vision, the dream, the plan of God? It's difficult to look at that tiny baby and not ask, so are you a king? How could that be? Kings aren't born in stables. They are not the offspring of carpenters and poor young girls. Kings' births aren't attended by shepherds. They are surrounded by prestige and pomp and prosperity. Where's his crown? Where's his privilege? Where's the palace in which he is to live? Can this Jesus really be a king? Well, his cousin John the Baptist was convinced that he was God's man. 
Scripture tells us that he told everyone that this Jesus was indeed the promised one. And when Jesus was baptized, God affirmed that. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And when, people, and when he speaks, people do listen, don't they? He calls others to follow him, and they do. He speaks words of healing, and folks are healed of all manner of illnesses. He casts out demons, and they flee. He teaches and explains and prays, and people's lives are changed, and their hearts are changed, and the world begins to change a little piece at a time. We watched and listened and even participated as this one rode into Jerusalem to our waving palm branches and our loud hosannas. But then he rode a donkey, not a powerful white steed. How could he be a king? The procession is anything but stately, and it eventually leads him not to the expected castle, but rather to where? A cross. And in our hearts, we can't help but wonder, is this a king? But then God does this wondrous thing. The tomb is empty when we go to see it on Easter morning. Christ is risen and we shout hallelujah. The king is risen. Hallelujah. And we celebrate the king and we try to learn what his kingdom is all about. This kingdom that he so clearly tells us is not of this world. So what does it mean to call Jesus king? And what does it mean to try to live out his realm, his kingdom, his kingdom? What does it mean to be children of the heavenly monarch? And what is his reign all about? We find ourselves with Pilate wondering why the Jewish officials were so afraid they wanted to put him to death. We're trying to figure it all out, trying to make sense of who this Jesus is and puzzling over why so many pay such close attention to what he says and does, and why scores have had such dramatic, life-changing experiences. Notice in this passage that Pilate himself is a little unnerved by the whole encounter. He's afraid of the crowd outside. He's popping in and out to talk to the Jewish officials who won't enter the room for fear of defilement. And yet he just can't quite put his finger on it. But there is something. There's something about this man. The Jews are a captive people. The question is ludicrous. But he can't help himself. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus asks whether Pilate is asking based on personal interest or because the crowd has been calling him a king. And then he makes it clear his kingdom is different from what Pilate has in mind. He's a king of a different sort. My kingdom is not from this world, he says. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. What Jesus is trying to tell Pilate is not that he rules over some otherworldly kingdom, but that his kingdom is grounded in values and strategies that are very different from the ones of the world that Pilate knows so well. Jesus' kingdom is not one of privilege, but of servanthood. It's a kingdom where the king sets the example. He is willing to get dirty, to wash others' feet. The king is only too ready to comfort the grieving 
and to welcome the outcast to dine at the table with him. This is a kingdom where royalty will risk life and limb to uphold justice, to speak out for truth and love. This king suffers, and those who serve him serve one another. The problem with this whole notion of Jesus as king, as divine ruler, is that it really asks of us, do I want someone other than myself to be Lord of my life? Do I want someone other than myself to be Lord of my life? We are so much more comfortable with the image of Jesus as a shepherd or Jesus as our brother or Jesus as our friend. We like that baby Jesus wrapped up in the manger who makes no demands, who just sleeps peacefully while we stand by and adore him. Jesus the healer. Jesus the teacher. Jesus the wise advisor lets us still pretend that we are in control. You know, one of the things that we sometimes forget from, that, from our far removed vantage point is that while kings exercise lots of power, they also shoulder huge obligations or responsibilities. I mean, it's a king's job to look out for the well-being and welfare of his people. He is to provide them for them, protect them, act in their best interest because they belong to him. They are his and he is theirs, and it's a symbiotic relationship particularly in days gone by, the people depended upon, they needed the king, and the king needed his people. He needed them to honor him with their words and deeds. He also needed them to thrive. It was his job to keep them healthy and whole because a king with no people is no kind of king. That relationship often got distorted, admittedly. Kings abused their power and forgot their responsibilities but not King Jesus. Jesus is a different kind of king, a king who is always concerned about the well-being of those he calls his own. This is a king of love, a king of compassion, a king of goodness and mercy. The next time we ask Jesus, are you a king? Perhaps we should follow that with, and am I a member of your kingdom? Do I live out the teachings and examples of the one who rules over this kingdom? Do I strive to live in perfect relationship with God just as Jesus did? Am I willing to serve my neighbor simply because they are my neighbor, fellow citizens of God's realm, and loved by God just as I am? In baptism, we entered the kingdom Jesus professed to Pilate. When we proclaim God as sovereign, we pledge our allegiance to its ruler, and as we love God and neighbor, we live out the ways of that realm. Perhaps you notice that Jesus never directly answers the question, are you a king? But he does speak of his kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a place or an institution or even the church. It's about a condition of God being first of God reigning and ruling over people's lives. It is what life would be like on earth here and now if God were king and the rulers of this world were not. Life would be turned upside down, would it not? 
And as one writer put it, there would be peacemaking instead of warmongering, liberation, not exploitation, sacrifice rather than subjugation, mercy, not vengeance, care for the vulnerable instead of privileges for the powerful, generosity instead of greed, humility rather than hubris, embrace rather than exclusion. You know, the ancient Hebrews had a marvelous word for this kind of kingdom, shalom, or human well-being. And so we pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks be to God. Amen.